Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wildcat Chat Podcast. This is Mr. Graham. And Miss Miller. And in this episode, you had the opportunity to speak with... Mr. Mills. Mr. Mills. It's yeah. a special episode. Mm-hmm. And in the month of February, take the time out to celebrate Black History Month. Yeah. We're happy that we have Mr. Mills as our principal, number one. And number two, during this month, we thought it would be... Actually, the idea came from uh, Miss McClooney, an eighth grade mm-hmm. teacher, where we could speak with uh, Mr. Mills, and, and he could share with us his experiences growing up uh, as an African-American here in Virginia. He had a lot to share, Yeah. right? Yeah, it was a very... It was really cool to hear it from his perspective as someone who lived through kind of that civil rights era. So. Right, and then the students that led the discussion were kind of taken back a few times. Yeah. Like, they hear about the stuff or they read about it, but they don't actually get that yeah. firsthand knowledge. To hear that someone's actually experienced it, I think, was really eye-opening for right. them. So. But you did a great job with it, and I hope Thanks. you enjoy the episode. <music> Alright, welcome back Wildcats. Miss Miller here and we are here with Mr. Mills today. And Mr. Mills is going to talk to us about his experiences growing up as an African American in Virginia. So who are we here with today? We're here with me, Paige. Me, Mila. And me, Catherine. And Craig Mills, Building Principals. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so let's start off with our questions, everyone. So. I think first off, we should like get to know you as a person. Okay. So, yeah. So when were you born? I was born in 1952. Yes, I'm an old man. <laughs> <laughs> this is my 46th year working. Wow. That's, That's very impressive. Wow. Yeah, and um, I will give you a little bit more background. Um, when I was born, um, schools in Virginia were segregated. And so I'll just go as far to say my parents didn't agree with that, so my first three years I spent in private schools. Really? Rather than public, yeah. Wow. So would you say that your parents were avid supporters of equality in the United States? It was difficult because then the law of Virginia was separate but equal. That there were separate schools, but they were supposed to be equal. Um, and so they didn't agree with that initially, so we weren't Catholic, but my mom's best friend was Catholic, so I went to Catholic schools for the first three years. And it was interesting that um, there were all African-American students there, but our teachers were white nuns. So are there any specific events that have really changed your life? Um, yeah, I would say the most significant events were when I was in elementary through high school that the civil rights movement was big and having the assassination of John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, and Robert Kennedy. Um, And actually Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy were both assassinated in the same year. And um, it's hard to say one or two events were significant because it was such a time of constant change. Um, There were not only racial changes, but um, women as well, but um, 
also, and I only thought about it when I was getting ready for the segment, was that even the name change from colored to Negro to black, and now it seems to be trending more toward African American. So you definitely experienced differences between equality in a community and schools when you were a child? Sure, um, and I'll give you an example. Um, when I started out, we rode on the back of the bus. Mm. And then um, later, you know, I could ride anywhere on the bus. And there were separate restrooms. And there were certain places where my family wasn't allowed to sit down and eat that you could stand up at the counter and eat, but you couldn't actually sit down in the restaurant and eat. Mm -hmm. Did you have any important role models, like in your community, like growing up or in your house? Um, yes, I think, I, let me start with my household. Uh, my mom was what's called a mulatto. Uh, and so if you looked at her, she didn't look African-American, she looked white. Mm. And so, um, it was interesting because within my own family, I could see differences in skin color, but they were all alike. And in fact, my mother had to put curl in her hair. I mean, so, and when they integrated schools, my mom was a teacher and it was a Caucasian little girl that looked at my mother and thought she was white and said, how can you teach them? Oh. And uh, my mom said, oh, we're pretty much alike. So that was kind of an interesting perspective. Wow, that's and, really deep. Yeah, it was really deep. <laughs> and you know, and when the use of the word them, which means people are different. Mm -hmm. And we're really more alike than we are different. Yeah, precisely. How would you say equality has changed in your lifetime? Um, I would say that things have gotten better but I think there's still prejudices and things that are beneath the surface. Whereas before, it was very visible where you can sit on a bus and the school you could go to. But now, there's some of those same things, but they're just kind of beneath the surface. You know, they aren't spoken of. That's a very good point. You know, um, and I think the same thing goes on for other people on equal rights, whether it be gender mm -hmm. and that sort of thing that, um, on the surface, it looks okay, but underneath, the, those things have not changed that much. They've probably just wiped away the top layer of prejudice, but there's still so much yeah. left yeah. that we haven't touched on underneath. So. Well, yeah, and I think you have to get to know people as people. Right. Um, I try to be open um, and work with all people, and I will share with you that I have two godchildren one of them's black and one of them's white. Yeah. You know, so. So you talk a lot about the different people in your life. Uh-huh. So I was wondering, is there like any like specific person that inspired you to take charge in your life? Make, make a difference? It wasn't that. I came, I had to come to a realization during a time of change what my role was going to be. And, um, I shared with, I started with Catholic schools, but then I went to my neighborhood school. And um, at that time we had choices that we could go, it became freedom of choice then. You could go to any school in the city, but you had to provide transportation. So I could have gone to a school that was historically a white high school, but I chose not to do that. Because I wanted to go to school with my friends. I didn't want to go across town. 
Plus, some of my friends that went across town had difficulties. Um, some of them couldn't go to the bathroom during the day because they'd be beat up and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, there were a lot of mean things. So what I decided I would do was, after I graduated from high school, I went to East Carolina. And I was one of 120 out of 12,000, a real minority. And um, I will tell you probably the most difficult situation I had there, I didn't know anybody. I moved in with my roommate and um, I moved in first and my mother bought matching red spreads and we fixed the room all up. <laughs> I left and then he came and left and then when we actually met each other was that night and you know he was he was nice and all that but then a week later I got called to the Dean of Students along with him and I was told that then they said Craig, we don't want you to feel bad, but your roommate's parents want him to move out of the room. Mm. Oh. oh. And so that was like, how can this be? To make a long story short, he and I got along okay, and so we went on with it. Um, he was from a family of means. Um, you know, the next year he had a Corvette Stingray and was doing all these great things, but he flunked out. I graduated on time. And so, that was my way of having that internal fortitude mm -hmm. rather than being one to, you know, I wasn't involved in the marches and that sort of thing. I just proved my worth by sticking to my plan. Mm -hmm. So you're a school principal, so I'm sure that you see this like all the time, but kids are cruel. They're, they're mean, but even in our day, I feel that kids are just so opinionated about so many different things and about how everybody looks and how everybody acts and how everybody is. What was your childhood like? Um, I had a strong support system at home. And um, especially my mom tried to give me experiences to make me strong. Um, I was bullied once, you know, and uh, that was the only time I ended up in the principal's office because this student kept taking my lunch money. And then one day we both got off the bus and I picked up a rock and hit him and ran. And then I was in the principal's office for it. But I think that we're not mean to people once we get to know them one-on-one. -on -one. Most of the time when someone's mean, it's in a group situation. And that's why it's important that bystanders aren't bystanders and speak up. You know, because especially in the middle school, we have a lot of bullying. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel about the Black Lives Matters movement? I think that it's become politicized. And I think that um, I'm not a political person, but I think depending on what side you are in this time of instant access to media and social media, that so much is taken out of context. And that people don't do their own research, that they get what they believe in off of social media, which is somebody else's opinion, rather than somebody, rather than facts. Um, I think that Black Lives Matter, like any organization, does some good, but it doesn't mean that there aren't some people in it that do the wrong thing as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think that my take on it is that all lives matter, but they're calling some attention to the fact that there may be some targeting of people according to skin color. Yeah. Um, so, you are an administrator at our school. 
And I want to know, what did you do before you became an administrator? Okay. Um, well, every job in Chesapeake I've had, first of all, has been on Battlefield Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I started off in the three-story building just north of us when that was Great Bridge Junior High School. And I was the band director there for eight years. And then when I call it now the new Great Bridge High School, but the, this was the 80s <laughs> when Great Bridge High School was built, we moved into this building and I was here for eight years. Um, then I decided to do something different because I'd been working for 16 years. Um, I was fortunate enough to become assistant principal at BM Williams, again on Battlefield Boulevard. <laughs> And then when the principal there, um, a wonderful lady, Dr. Patricia Powers, when she left as principal, then I was asked to take over as principal there. And then 11 years ago, um, I was asked to come back, and they told me, come back home. Oh. And I said, what do you mean come back home? We're going to send you back to Great Bridge Middle. And so I came back here, and so it's been up and down Battlefield Boulevard <laughs> for me in my career. And when you say BM Williams, this is what I've heard, uh -huh. but how does it feel to be the first African-American principal at BM Williams? Yeah, it, and it was funny. Um, I just got a picture today um, of some kindergarten kids that painted a picture of me when I was at BM Williams, and they put up as the first African-American principal. Um, it was kind of unique because um, when that school was built, I couldn't have attended it. Mm. And it shows a lot of difference than I could come back and be principal of it. So that's when I say we've made progress, we have, you know, as far as visible progress. But um, there are still some people that don't look at you on the value of your character. They look at other things. But, you know, it, it was exciting for me because I didn't see myself as a celebrity. I didn't even think about being the first, you know, I was just worried about students learning. But um, to me, it's a good feeling to know that. You know, again, I've made a difference in a quiet way just by doing my job and doing it well. Then people thought enough of me to promote me to be principal of the school. Awesome. So How did you even know that? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think Mr. Graham told us. Yeah. No, my mom works at BM Williams. Yeah. Um, and she showed me a picture, and I thought it was really cool because I also know that you actually taught her for her first year in band. I did teach your mom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. that was, yeah. It's That's a small awesome. world. Yeah. It's a very small world. Yeah, on Battlefield Boulevard. <laughs> Little Battlefield, <laughs> yes. Battlefield Boulevard. Yes, on Battlefield Boulevard. Do you right. think there could be any growth? Oh, that's, that's adorable. So cool. That's so good. Oh, I love <laughs> that's it. That's so cute. <laughs> that's so cool. That's the picture. <laughs> very cool. What do you think, well, first of all, do you think there's any room for growth in like, equality-wise? Anything else we could yeah, do to I, really bring yeah, it to Yeah, I think the thing, and it's the hardest thing to do, I think we need to talk about it. Yeah. Right. And I think everybody's afraid to talk about it because you don't want to step on anybody's toes. That's true. Yeah. You know, like your expressions, I looked at your faces when I said, I rode on the back of the bus. But at the point, I didn't know any different mm -hmm. or that it would change. You know, that was my reality. Now, when I got into high school, and I will say this, I'm a little bit embarrassed, when I was allowed to ride on the front of the bus, then I would go sit on the front seat. 
And if an older Caucasian lady came on the bus, I would still sit in the front seat. Mm. Now I would want to say, ma'am, would you like to have a seat and give it to her? But I was trying to prove a point because in many cases, that lady would not go to the back of the seat bus and sit. Mm. And so there were still some tensions there. Mm. But being a teenager, I wanted to prove my point that <laughs> I finally got to be there and I was gonna sit there. And so I would do it a little differently now. I feel like when we're talking about, like, talking about, like, how we could maybe grow more, I feel like it is a lot of the time political, like... I agree, yeah. Very politicized. It yeah, it's like always brought into yeah, always. politics. And, and I think that's a way where people start... Right not being able to grow because right, they yeah. go to the media. This is more of a people problem, and like you said, I think it's a great idea that we should talk about it in unpoliticized areas or unpoliticized ways. That way, you know, politics often stretches things and uses it for its own good, but that's really the only way we can think Yeah, and I don't know if this is part of it or not. I may be completely off topic, but um, when we integrated schools in Richmond City, then the white families moved to the suburbs. Yeah. You know, we had white flight. And so the schools almost became segregated again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now that everybody's equally mobile, you know, and I think we're stratified more by economic level. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I think that there not only need to be racial talks, but economic talks. Yeah. Um, on all levels, but we just need to take people as people. Right. And get to know them one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Have you ever had a student at this school who, or like any of your students that you've, that you knew since they were here, have any of them ever been like through some of the same things that I hear about other um, African-American people go through well, what, in today's society. Well, like, give me an example of the things that they so go through. Some people still are like bullying other kids for their color. And like, did you ever end up having to step in? Usually it's an assistant principal's job, but did you ever have to step I in? I think that they're doing it to be mean mm -hmm. more than to be racist. Mm -hmm. And so when you're looking to be mean, you look to say something you think is going to hurt the person. And so I think that rather than saying something else, the thing that they know that an African-American child might be sensitive about might be using a racial slur toward them. Yeah. You know, when you're looking to hurt, you're looking to go deep and short yeah. with them. All right. Well, this has been really eye-opening, I think. Like, I think so. Definitely. Yeah. Um, it's one thing to hear about things, you know, kind right. of out in the world, but then to actually talk with someone who's experienced a lot of these things mm -hmm. is, yeah. I think, really kind yeah, of Yeah, and I want to kind of end my comments on a positive. I told you I went to East Carolina, but also when I was there, I joined a, a national music fraternity. Ms. Miller may know it. It's called Find You Out. Yeah. And when I joined it, there were no other African-American members. Um, and so um, our social thing was actually called a smoker, even though I didn't smoke because <laughs> in the 70s, everybody smoked. But um, I worked in that organization like I work on anything else. And 
Um, my junior year, I was secretary. And my senior year, I was elected as president. Um, and the thing is, when I was elected as president, I was running against somebody who was really popular. Mm -hmm. And my roommate was also in the fraternity. And then when the vote was over, and they did it in private, he, the other guy and I would stand in the hallway. My roommate said, well, Craig, you won it on your speech. He said, when you came in and said what you were going to do as president, we knew you'd put some thought into it. And they called the other gentleman's name. He said, well, he was just talking off the cuff and, and really mm -hmm. casual. And so, you know, it just became apparent. So I think, again, I'll go back to the fact that if you have a good work ethic and character and people will just give you a chance, then we realize that we are more equal than we are different. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, this has been a treat awesome. for me. You know, I'm kind of a dinosaur, but you know, <laughs> it's fun to talk to you about this. Yeah. Not a dinosaur, no, no. <laughs> all right. I think it's amazing that you've lived through all this and yeah. really experience it firsthand. I've always wondered how people thought about that. And yeah. And finally, yeah. yeah. To me, I had never heard someone else's side of the story from right. from their perspective of this topic and. It actually made me have more emotion than I did before talking about this topic just with my parents. Right. Yeah. So I agree. And it doesn't mean you need to feel guilty about it. Mm -hmm. I think we need to take the past and build toward the future. Right. Yeah. Use it as stepping stones. Use it as stepping stones. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you guys. This has been Thank you. Thank you. Well, if you want to talk about it again in a history class or something, just have your teacher invite me in. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Absolutely. Because again, we need the dialogue. And yeah, I lived yeah. it, so I'll just tell you what my experiences were. Awesome. All right. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation that the students had with Mr. Mills. And I think that we can all learn something from his experiences and everything that he shared as we reflect on Black History Month. And March is around the corner, and there's a special week in March that we celebrate called National Foreign Language Week. And it just so happens that in the next episode, we are speaking with Senora Palos and Senora Chavez and a few students that they teach that come from different countries, and we're going to learn more about them. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode, and I can't wait to bring you the next episode on the Wildcat Chat Podcast.